Hello and welcome to the BNP Paribas Markets 360 podcast. We cover the topics that matter from the global economy to market strategy. Good morning. I am Nicolò Carrara, Emerging Markets Economist at BNP Paribas. Today we will discuss some of the regulatory and socio-economic implications of artificial intelligence, or AI in short leading us to believe emerging markets will find it harder to catch up as compared to previous eras of technological progress. We recently published a note on the global economic impact of AI. It's available to BNP Paribas clients on our portal and in the Global Markets app, along with other Market360 content. It's Thursday morning here in London on the 9th of November 2023. And so without further ado, let's kick off. In recent years, there has been much concern around the regulation surrounding AI. The pace at which the levers of governance are moving is lagging behind this unprecedented speed of technological development as well as adoption. Let me provide some examples here. OpenAI is estimated to have used about seven times more computational power to train GPT-4 than the next closest model, that is Google's Minerva, launched in 2022, and close to 70 times more than its previous version, GPT-3, launched in 2020. Now, consider the so-called Moore's Law. This uh, empirical relationship was first described in 1965. It calls for the doubling of computational power every two years or so. Why do I bring it up? Well, Moore's Law has held true for more than half a century now. But all of a sudden, AI comfortably exceeds this rate of technological progress, making it seem outdated. And if that wasn't enough, just two months after its November 2022 launch, ChatGPT became the fastest application to count 100 million users. It took TikTok nine months, it took Instagram 30 months, and it took Uber 70 months to reach the same level of user adoption. Now, against this backdrop, countries are in various stages of evolving their approach to regulating AI and take diverging stances on how to best do it. Although President Biden has recently decided to bring some restrictions The US, for example, has so far let the industry self-regulate, having set out a voluntary and uh, non-binding framework for AI risk management. This might be the most favorable approach to allow continued leadership and innovation, but it comes with the highest risks. For instance, AI now allows for the creation of deepfake news that appears to be delivered by the most credible journalist. We think this risk of Automated disinformation is particularly important to contextualize in the run-up to U.S. elections. On the other end, there's China. China has the tightest restrictions on AI developers, having chosen to integrate AI into the fabric of the state. The European Union stands in the middle. Its draft AI Act follows a risk-based approach, whereby legislative intervention is tailored to the corresponding level of risk. But this is unlikely to come into force any time before 2026. So overall, although some attempts to look for a global approach are still under consultation, it seems unlikely that consensus will be reached, at least not anytime soon. And in particular, should the US and China view this as a zero-sum game, one that will give the winner a decisive strategic edge in the decades to come, adding to geopolitical tensions. Well, in this environment, innovators are left with excessive protection. Think about the risk of regulatory arbitrage for the European Union, for example with tech players favoring setting up in the US instead. This could exert adverse effects on emerging markets, worse placed to exploit AI. Hence, this need to ensure an equitable distribution of gains from technological progress. 
What's more, well, AI differs from uh, several past technologies where publicly financed knowledge production was more central, more easily available to emerging markets. Indeed, for a technological progress to be easily accessible, it should be kept in the public domain. So funded via governments and international organizations. This is because when research and development is financed privately, instead, academic literature finds a strong case for high-income countries to grant opportunistic or rather monopolistic patent protection. But wait a second, how exactly does this matter for emerging markets? Well, there is much scope for globally aligned regulation or publicly financed research and development to benefit emerging markets. For example, in the field of agriculture. Indeed, AI offers potential for large productivity gains based on algorithms that help farmers fine-tune decisions that can maximize their yield. Of course, these algorithms can be customized to local weather conditions. Speaking of which, the probability of a strong El Nino event has grown to 75 to 85%, according to the Climate Prediction Center. Now think of Thailand, the world's second largest rice exporter. Thailand usually grows two water-intensive crops a year. But as precipitation levels have been well below historical average from March till September, the government has asked farmers to grow only one for 2023. AI could offer some damage limitation here, at the very least. Otherwise, the resulting drop in output could slow food disinflation, for example, and in particular across emerging Asia, where rice makes up for a significant proportion of uh, households' consumption baskets. Now, back to regulation. Just quickly, I promise. Requiring disclosure of these algorithms would be imperative to determine whether these are discriminatory, whether they engage in price discrimination, for example. It is sometimes argued in academic research that disclosure is not possible because algorithms are always evolving. Well, this is true, but algorithms could still be disclosed as of a particular moment in time, right? And this would in turn facilitate emerging markets to access and benefit from all the resources and opportunities AI has to offer. And now enough with uh, regulation. Let's move to a uh, socioeconomic angle. Although the impact of AI on the labor market could uh, go beyond the traditional split between routine and non-routine employment, history tells us that the former is first impacted. What do I mean here? Well, AI should prove unskilled labor saving before it turns skilled labor saving as well. So should worldwide demand for unskilled workers decline further, well, this could hit those emerging markets with a comparative advantage in cheap labor particularly hard. Just think of the largest uh, textile exporters, for example, or countries where textiles make up for a significant percentage of value added in manufacturing. China, Vietnam, India, Indonesia, Turkey come to mind within the economies we cover. In these countries in particular, the need for the government to invest in training and reskilling is most urgent. But inevitably, this would come at quite some uh, fiscal cost. And let's conclude with inequality. So this bias of uh, technological progress against unskilled labor and the privatization of knowledge that we described earlier, well, we fear these factors carry the potential to arrest or perhaps even reverse 
the convergence in living standards between developed and emerging markets that has marked the past half century. Think about it, for many emerging markets, manufacturing-based export-led growth, the one that enabled the, the so-called East Asian miracle, has proved enormously successful over the last 50 years. But the share of manufacturing employment has been decreasing since the early 2000s, coinciding with the dot-com bubble. Now, this is not to say that going forward, exporting labor-intensive manufacturing goods will no longer be available as a strategy for development. But instead, we would argue it's time for some emerging markets to broaden their focus beyond manufacturing and beyond the secondary sector more generally, allocating ever more resources to other sectors of the economy, including agriculture, which we previously touched upon, as well as services. Let's end it here for now. And uh, thank you all for uh, joining us today. This communication does not constitute research, a recommendation or any form of advice from BMP Paribas or its affiliates. It does not consider your financial circumstances or objectives and it may not be suitable for you. It should not be copied or reproduced in whole or in part. 